This podcast is brought to you by Blackbee Ministries International. To find out more, visit blackbee.org. Welcome, everyone, to the Richard Blackaby Leadership Podcast. My name is Sam, and I'm your host, and it's my pleasure to welcome you back. If this is uh, you, if, if if you've been returning and and listening along uh, since the beginning, uh, especially welcome to you. And if it's your first time listening, uh, welcome. And uh, I'm joined as always by Richard Blackaby. It's good to be with you, Sam. You yeah, look rested, good. like you've been to the beach or something. Yeah, likewise, likewise. <laughs> we've we've both actually just come back from the beach and getting some vitamin D in and survived uh, uh, Hurricane Delta. Hurricane Delta. Yeah, it it was it was threatening all week and it just and gave you bigger waves to boogie board on. I Apparently, they, they were some of the best, some of the best <laughs> waves, uh, for sure. You still got your boogie, Sam. I'll oh, tell you that. Oh boy, <laughs> that, that's a different podcast. We'll uh, we'll save that for another time. But uh, yeah, so it, it's it's good to uh, to get away to to kind of have a little bit of a reset. Although with uh, with a one year old, you you never really get away unless you drop the one year old off at a at a grandparent's you, house. Yeah, you've got a vacation with a grandparent. Don't you? <laughs> that's true. That's true. That's, it definitely eases the uh, eases the stress of of uh, of having a one year old. But uh, it's it's good to be uh, back in studio and uh, looking at uh, ways to take your leadership to the next level. And uh, today you've got a special study for us uh, looking at uh, Paul. Yeah. And uh, why don't you tell us uh, what, what we're going to be looking at today? Well, Sam, it's an interesting one. We've touched on this topic before, but um, yeah, I, I have a friend that uh, for years was working in corporate America. He was uh, one of the early hires at a very successful company. For years, uh, he progressed. He was uh, one of the like top ten hires in this uh, very significant company, and he was uh, technically a Christian, but he wasn't really living for God. And then, at a certain point, like a decade or more in, he has a real encounter with God, and all of a sudden, he's trying to live for Christ now, and trying to. He's never been a witness. He's never taken a stand. Uh, never really practiced his faith openly. No one would ever know he was a Christian before, but now they're going to know. And he's not obnoxious about it, but he just tries to sort of come out of the closet, if you will, as a Christian. Well, that causes, it's a very secular company, very a publicly traded company. And he doesn't push his faith on anyone, but he starts to get on people's radar. Oh, he's he's gotten religion. Mm. And, uh, and ultimately, uh, long story short, he he gets ushered out the door and uh, it's all sort of political maneuvering and so on. They don't come right out and just say it's your, cause you're Christian, but everything goes South for him at that point. And he does get confronted for his Christian values. And, and sometimes just having Christian values, people feel threatened. Hmm. Uh, people feel, and I've seen this. Which I think we could probably do a whole podcast on just, yeah. to, just having those values and, yeah. and how that's seen as a threat to you so know, many. And yeah, you, 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 they feel judged. I, I mean, I remember way back when I was still working my way through college, uh, and I'd be working on a, a construction crew and, uh, out of town and, uh, they'd all want to go to a bar or something like that. And I would, they knew I was a Christian. They knew I didn't do that. Uh, I didn't hang out in those kind of places. And, um, and I, I, I wasn't judgmental. I didn't preach at him. I just said, hey, I'm just going to pass on that. But still, they knew why I was passing. I didn't ever, I didn't even say why I passed. I said, hey, I didn't, didn't condemn them for doing what they want to do. It's just simply, I was going to just, hey, I'm just going to go back me. to the room and I'm worn out. I'm gonna, I, I, I tried to be gracious. I tried to just to find some excuse. But 
but it was like, well, why won't you come with us? You know, why, why are you, are you too good for us? No, 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 just, I, it, can I just, you know, just choose not to do something? But, but he, basically what happened to him is that he, uh, people felt judged by him. They felt like he was all of a sudden getting holier than thou. And he ends up unemployed eventually. Now, God got him back on his feet and he found he's gainfully employed today. But, uh, but, but that happens a lot. And, and the question he had was, you know, all the time that I was not walking with Jesus, I was zooming up the corporate ladder. <laughs> Why is it? And no one, everybody liked me and not a thing in my personnel file about ever having a conflict. And all of a sudden I start living for Jesus. And that's when all the trouble starts happening. I start getting written up and called into my boss's office. And so why is that? Why is it that sometimes the closer you get to God, the more you try to do for him, it seems as if more troubles arise at the same time. And there's a wonderful verse. You mentioned uh, Paul earlier. And in first Corinthians chapter 16, Paul's kind of wrapping things up in that final chapter of that book. And uh, he's, he's, kind of giving the Corinthians his travel plans. And uh, verse uh, 8, he says, uh, but I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost. And then verse 9, he says, because a wide door for effective ministry has opened for me, yet many oppose me. And I've always been fascinated by that, mm. that verse 9. He says, a wide door of opportunity has arisen. I, it just seems as if God's opening so many doors right now for me to see people come to Christ and start churches and, and minister for him. And and then in the same breath, he says, but many oppose me. Uh, and Which, you know, we, we often think of, of open doors and, you know, when God closes a door, he opens a window and, yeah. and, and those types of, of, you know, the sentiment is when the doors open, it's easy, Yeah, you know, but it, Paul would seem to suggest otherwise. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's funny because, Kind of reminds me of that joke where the guy said, my uncle used to always say, you, you, you know, one door closes, another opens. He says, and he goes on to say, he was a great philosopher, not a great carpenter. <laughs> anyway, I digress. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, uh, so why does that happen? Uh, you would think, and I mean, I think whether we would say this out loud or not, our sense is... When I really get red hot for God, that's when he ought to just pave the street for me. Yeah. Just ought to make make way. Richard's money on fire starts now. falling from the sky. And, you know, well, you mountains know, are made level. <laughs> <laughs> well, and at least when it comes to just doing God's work, uh, it, you know, it, maybe I don't get rich, but if I'm on fire to tell people about Jesus, I shouldn't get. If I'm all of a sudden I'm witnessing to everybody at work. Why would God let me get fired from work? Why wouldn't God protect me so I can win lots of people to Christ? But yeah. um, and so with Paul, like Paul has raised people from the dead. Paul has been bitten by poisonous snakes, and God has protected him from that. People have plotted to kill Paul, and God protected him from being killed. Why can't God just remove the opponents? Why can't God just silence all of those people that are just hounding him all the time? Uh, I mean, if I were God and I want to get, the, and this is the first century, I'm trying to get yeah. this church grounded and, and spread out. And I've got an apostle, Paul, willing to go anywhere, do anything, preach anything for me. I'd, I would have like a legion of angels guarding that guy and just saying, you mess with that guy and you're in trouble. Like, I'll, I'll send Gabriel after you. Uh, and yet it just seems that uh, if you read the biographies of any of the great Christian leaders, 
the ones who accomplished the most, oftentimes they were also the ones that had the most opposition, the most conflict. Uh, a lot of them, like a Charles Spurgeon or a Whitfield, they died relatively young uh, from health complications. And you think, Whitfield, Spurgeon, like two of the greatest preachers of all time, like, God, why didn't you just give them super strength, at least let them live to be 80 or 90, not die in their 50s. Um, but yeah. for some reason, the, in God's economy, as he opens doors, you can pretty well take it to the bank that uh, negative things will rise up right along with the positive. And so... And I suspect that you have some, some observations. <laughs> I do. Uh, <laughs> I'm in gonna, that regard. And so why would, why would that be? Well, let me, let me just throw some of them at you. Um, one is just um, uh, that w- when, you, when you start doing things for God, you attract people's attention. Uh, people don't notice you beforehand. They don't even know to criticize you before because you, you you didn't stand out. You weren't doing anything of note. And so, yeah. you know, as long as you play it safe all your life, um, you may not have a lot of opponents. You won't get anything done. You, you'll look back on your life and there'll be nothing to show for it, but at least you won't have had a lot of opposition. Yeah. And so early on, you've you just got to decide, how much do I want God to use my life? And if I really want God to use my life to bless others, to build his kingdom, to see people come to Christ, then I'm going to have to be unsafe. I'm going to have to uh, draw people's attention. It, I remember when, uh, and it happens in so many ways. I remember when I became a seminary president, we were we, we were hardly able to pay our bills. We we were very small and God began to bless and we, we, ex- we built a lot of new uh, buildings. We increased uh, student size and so on. And so we're all praising God. Look at all the new housing we have. Look at the guest house we built. Well, all of a sudden we get slapped with uh, an arbitrary tax bill where the county has just ar- completely arbitrarily just looked and, s- and said the same thing. Look at all the stuff they've got up there. Let's just triple their taxes. Uh, <laughs> no, no basis, no grounding, just triple. All, and we end up, I end up going to court uh, for a couple of years battling this and find we while I was there at least we we won every court case but we had to hire a lawyer and and spend time in court and and challenge all their findings and it's like you know when we had nothing on the hill <laughs> nobody was trying to tax us and trying to get any money from us but as soon as you start having success you just start attracting notice and hmm. and all some of that notice will be positive people may praise you but uh There'll be others ready to tax you, criticize you, attack you some way. Uh, that just comes with the territory. If you're a leader and you get up on the platform, people have noticed you now, and uh, for for good or for ill. Uh, second thing is you just you when you do something, you you open yourself up for critics, for trolls, for armchair critics. Uh, you just write a blog or write a put out a, a tweet. Um, it's been funny to me sometimes. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll maybe put out a, I, I, I've got a Twitter account. I put stuff on Facebook and, uh, yeah, I'll put something out that I'll think is uh, relatively straightforward about God or the Christian life or something. And, um, it, it, I'm, I'm always surprised sometimes by the trolls, by the people that just are on you, you know, and sometimes I get these really nasty, uh, attacks and, uh, and sometimes if I'm in a weak moment, I'll, I may click on them to say, well, who is this person? And number one, they're never one of my, almost never one of my followers or friends or whatever, but somehow they've, this has come on their radar. 
and uh, and they may have you know four followers of their own, <laughs> but they <laughs> but they want to just troll people that have followers and just give them a hard time and uh, and you get to the point any anymore in this kind of age where you can think is it even worth it? I mean, I yeah. when I when I do put something out there, it always encourages people. I always have I also have a lot of followers who just just are grateful every they'll say I'd look for your your uh, message every day because it's encouraging, makes me feel great. Uh but then you think, yeah, but but now I'm subjecting myself to armchair theologians and critics and atheists and other things and do I is it worth it um to face that? And yeah. uh, and so you, as soon as you write a book, uh, now you've got experts who've never written a book necessarily, but they're ready to critique yours and, and explain why no one should read it. And so you, you, you've got to have a, kind of a tough skin. Uh, and yeah, you just, just have to not read those the yeah, comment section. Yeah, <laughs> and most of the time I just really, really try not to because it's rarely ever edifying. But, well, it's uh, so much easier to criticize than to actually put your own creative work out there yeah know, like anybody can say oh well you know well what about x or what yeah. about y it's yeah like, well and uh they'll and, and so <laughs> you know i that just that's another i mean if you're going to do something like that especially if you put something in writing uh that now can be critiqued and analyzed and fact checked and whatever else uh you've you've just set yourself up for that uh, several other things why that can happen. A, a third one, on a little different note, is um, when you do start leading, when you do start focusing uh, and serving the Lord, you can become distracted. And I've actually known people that were trying to do good things. Like maybe you're a pastor and you come to a church that is at death's door and you're trying to turn it around. Uh, so you start putting in long hours trying to fix that church and trying to satisfy disgruntled members and retrieve people who've left the church and that kind of thing. Uh, but in the process of trying to do a good thing, you neglect your family, you neglect your health, yeah. you neglect your own walk with God. And, and so all of a sudden your wife's not happy or your kids are on drugs and you think, why, why am I getting all these satanic attacks? Why, why all this spiritual warfare? Here I am trying to save a church from dying and I've got all these attacks and sometimes they're not even necessarily attacks. It's just that you got so obsessed with trying to do good. Or maybe you started a company and yeah. you just don't want to go belly up. And so you're putting in every evening, you're putting in long hours at the office, uh, but you're neglecting your wife and, uh, and, and all kinds of trouble can result from that. And so, uh, so again, when you're trying to do good and then you wonder why did you get slammed with something bad? Sometimes it's just because you were out of balance. You're out of kilter. You you were just too too obsessed with doing good, yeah. Building a business, uh, going up. You you might be trying to say to yourself, as soon as I get up this corporate ladder, I'm going to ease off and enjoy my family. But by the time you're at the top <laughs> of the ladder, you don't have a family anymore. Yeah. Um, so a fourth one is just that uh, uh, sometimes you get on Satan's radar, and there's a lot we could say about Satan. I sometimes I think he gets too much credit. Yeah. Satan we've is, talked about that before. Yeah, and Satan is limited. He and yeah, I don't know how many demonic forces he has, but he doesn't have a limitless number and we there's no evidence Satan can create more demons. I mean, he's only got so many. We and I don't know how many have have been already dealt with by Jesus in his day or or what. I I don't know how all that works. But I don't know that he has 7 billion demons. I don't know that he has as many demons at his disposal as there are people on the planet. And so 
I, I don't know that, every, you know, there, there used to be the old picture of everyone had an angel on one shoulder and a demon yeah. on the other. I don't know how many angels there are out there either uh, or how many demons, but there may not be 7 billion of, of either one. And so that means that Satan has got to make choices. He's got to be strategic. Uh, and so if you're not living for the Lord, maybe you're living uh, lukewarm Christianity, maybe you're a hypocrite. He doesn't need, why, why waste why a bullet on you? You know, yeah. that's like, you're, you're better off. You're, you're more uh, useful to him just being that lukewarm Christian. Why would he mess you up? Why, yeah. why, why if, maybe if he brought too much pressure out to bear, you might start returning to God. So let, let's just leave him like he is. But uh, all of a sudden you start serving God. You start uh, getting serious about him, and then all, now you're on his radar. And now he hates people that are fruitful, that bring glory to God, yeah. that love God. Uh, when he saw Job doing that, and God's so pleased with Job, it just, Satan couldn't stand it. It's like, hey, well, I, let me, I, I want to take that one on. You know, it's interesting with David, uh, all the years he's being hounded and chased around and by an evil king, uh, he's writing these beautiful Psalms that end up in the Bible. And, and then when, when he's successful, uh, when he is now the king, uh, that's when he gets a little vulnerable uh, yeah. to, to evil. And, uh, and he, has so bunch, I, he has a bunch of spare time on his hands. Yeah, he's got spare time, and, uh, which, um, uh, which kind of leads to actually a fifth point. I, it would be a similar thing. And that is sometimes when you're serving God, it gives you a, a false sense of security. It's kind of like, hey, well, I'm a pastor, so yeah. and, and I you're think- doing the Lord's work. Yeah, and so God's gonna just, I know I'm kind of been neglecting my wife. I know I we haven't been on a family vacation in five years, but uh, I'm serving the Lord. I just I feel like he'll make up the difference. And uh, and so sometimes we, we can get careless. Uh, we can just feel like, uh, well, I don't have to be careful about all these things because, hey, if you're serving the Lord, he'll He'll make up the difference. And where you've fallen short as a husband or a wife or a, a dad or mom. Uh, you know, I remember Exodus uh, chapter 4, verse 24, God has dealt with Moses and told him, I want you to go to Egypt. We're going to deliver the Israelites. And, and all that gets worked out in chapters 3 and 4. And so uh, Moses is on his way to Egypt. And then in verse 24, there's a very interesting verse. It says, so God was waiting for Moses to kill him. <laughs> it's like, what on earth? Uh, you just had a two chapter long conversation convincing him to go to Egypt. Now you're going to kill him. But apparently Moses had never circumcised his son. Uh, and although he's a Hebrew, uh, he's never carried out uh, and, and done apparently what Abraham and his descendants had all done. And, uh, and so God says, look, you can't lead my people if you're not going to even follow the rules yourself. I'm not going to have a hypocrite serve me. Um, and so of course, uh, his wife kind of steps in and circumcises their son and, uh, and all as well. Uh, but I thought to myself, just because you're Moses, just because you're about to go deliver all the Israelites doesn't mean that you can neglect God's commands for your own family, yeah. for your own life. And, uh, so uh, sometimes I think that's the problem. Uh, we, we, there's opposition. Again, it, it may not even be because of any evil opposition from anyone else. It just may be that you just assume that God was going to protect you and make up all the difference for, for your poor leadership. Uh, and then you discover to your dismay that he's not. Uh, two last things I'd, or, or so I'd say. Uh, another one is when you do start serving God, when you start leading uh, for God, 
uh, it can foster jealousy and even competition from other people. Sometimes they're other Christians. Uh, I remember my dad, when he came uh, to his church in the uh, in in Canada, uh, these none of these churches in that area had ever started a mission church in all the years that they'd been there. And some of those pastors had been there quite a while. And my dad gets there to one of the smallest churches of all in that association, and he just starts churches right and left. And of course, when if for years all of your associates have said it's impossible, it's too hard, people aren't open, there's the funding isn't available, and then instead of just believing all the negative uh, outlook, you just go ahead and start doing it. Well, that that's kind of embarrassing, and yeah. it makes people look bad. And how do you explain to your people right. that you haven't started a mission in twenty years, and the guy's been there just three years, he's already got three or four missions started? Uh, how do you explain that? And so. As long as everybody is equally dismal, abysmal at their at their leadership, then you don't really stand out. It's, it's not you don't have to be embarrassed. But when all of a sudden someone starts showing that it can be done, that it's not impossible, uh, there is a way. Well, that's going to cause people um, to you're going to ruffle some feathers. You, you don't have to be looking for trouble. My dad was never a prideful person. He he never went around bragging about what he had done. But nonetheless, you, as soon as you rise above, as soon as you break the trend, uh, you get on people's radar. And you your success may put them in a bad light. Um, yeah. And so d- don't be surprised. And my dad faced a lot of, some of the worst opposition and critics he got were from his own colleagues, from his own fellow pastors, uh, not not necessarily from unbelievers or atheists, but from fellow Christians, uh, people in his own denomination, mm. uh, because he was having some success. So just like, and Paul had the same thing. Uh, Paul was constantly being hounded by people in Corinth and other places uh, trying to criticize him and uh, backbite him and try to diminish what he had done. And, and uh, you, you, you pick that up throughout his uh, letters. And then, uh, well, I guess two last things. Uh, seventh thing is just anytime you try to change something, expect opposition. And so yeah. as soon as you start making something better, um, there's going to be, it, it involves change. You have to change things to make them better. And uh, so you may, and it, that will really catch you off guard. I remember when I came to a, a struggling church and it had been declining for years, but all of a sudden we start growing and, and new people start joining. You'd think everybody would be happy. Uh, hey, we've got more hands to help do the work now. It's, we've got reinforcements coming in. We've got some uh, fresh uh, arms and legs here to do the work here. But there were people who liked being really needed. They liked being swamped with work. They liked uh, having influence in a small pond. But yeah. as there gets to be more fish in that pond and more talented fish coming into that pond, uh, stronger leader fish coming into that pond, all of a sudden they're feeling threatened. And I literally had people, when they would be open with me, to say, well, I'm just worried that you won't need us anymore. And uh, and I'm thinking, what on earth? Like we... We want everybody that wants to serve and to work and, and to minister together. We The more the merrier. But uh, I I actually had more problems as we experienced success than when we were down in, on the mat ready to expire. Uh, hmm. uh, with success, all of a sudden people are measuring, well, where do I fit into this? And will the pastor still have time for me when we have all these new people come in and Will I still have influence, and will I still be in charge of that when we've got these? We're, we're expanding and increasing the staff, and 
So um, as you as you change things, as things begin to grow, there's always change. Any kind of change invites. There's inevitable. There'll be those that will resist it for various yeah. uh, less than wholesome reasons, and uh, and then just uh, maybe the last one is just light um, exposes darkness and so especially when you start doing things for the lord um expect it that and like I, the example i used when i was in college uh, you don't have to condemn anyone you have to preach at anybody just simply living for christ there's a light that shines from you that will expose darkness and yeah. i remember even as a pastor when the church was very dysfunctional uh they would just tolerate all kinds of dysfunctional carnal people because they just needed people. Yeah. And so some of these carnal people even got into places of leadership. And then uh, all of a sudden I come in and, and we just start talking about God again. We start trying to be godly. We, we, we don't tolerate uh, unchrist-like behavior. Well, all of a sudden it, it exposes people that that's how they operate. That's how they, they, they used to say crass things and everybody just kind of looked the other way and ignored it. But all of a sudden we're not doing that anymore. And, uh, and the, the more light that was shed in the church, you could just see the, the people who embraced darkness feeling less and less comfortable. Yeah. And, uh, and so in, especially if you're working in a secular setting in an office, uh, with other non-Christians, uh, you know, it, it could be something as simple as someone just tells a dirty joke and everybody's laughing but you. And you, you're not necessarily shaking your head in disgust. You're not, it, it may be, you, you may be trying to be as polite as you can, uh, but it becomes obvious you just don't find humor in that. And you're the only person that doesn't uh, use profanity in the office. And, uh, and now someone curses like a sailor and they look at you and say, oh, sorry, Sam. Uh, and now you haven't said anything. You didn't condemn them, but just being salt, just being light, uh, began to expose them. And, yeah. uh, I like to joke sometimes if you want to have fun with someone, just when you're on an airplane or something, just, uh, even if you're not a minister, just tell them you're a Baptist minister and <laughs> watch, watch people See squirm, you know, I, I try not to just lead with that because it can set people off right away. I want to at least build a relationship first, but, uh, but I've had where I finally told people what I did and inevitably they want to start confessing their sins to me. And I, I haven't said anything they, you know, you just tell them I'm a Baptist minister. They'll start telling you, well, I haven't been in church in years. I, I grew up in church. I really should get back. You know, I've just been so busy. And it's like, why are you telling me all this? But, yeah. uh, and so, yeah, when you, uh, if you're going to, the more you're going to draw closer to Christ, the more like Christ you become. Uh, the more of a contrast there will be between you and the world around you. And uh, they ultimately crucified Jesus. The, the world around him couldn't, I mean, the, the, the unchristian the un world, uh, the unreligious world, uh, the sinner world actually kind of was attracted to him. But uh, there, was, there, was, uh, there were forces, though, that just could not tolerate him and the, the, the light he sh shone upon them. And, uh, and I think that was Paul's issue as well. He, uh, the more he fervently sought the Lord, the more opposition there was as well. It just, the more success, the more opposition. And so don't be caught by surprise by that. Uh, it's going to happen. If it happened to Paul, if it happened to Jesus, don't be surprised when, as you are trying to step out in faith and do what you feel like God wants you to do, that on the one hand, there'll be new opportunities. On the other, there'll be new opposition. Well, that's great. Let's take a quick break here and we'll wrap up when we come back. 
Twice a year, Blackaby Ministries hosts a spiritual leadership coaching workshop in the Atlanta area. The focus of this workshop is learning how to ask the right questions to help move people onto God's agenda. The next workshop is October 26th and 28th, and registration is open now. The early bird rate is available until September 26th, and space is limited. To find out more and to register, visit blackabycoaching.org. Links will be in the show notes. All right, Richard, uh, just as we as we wrap up here, what are some, some last takeaways that you can leave with us? Let me just give you a quick list, uh, Sam. One is just expect it. Expect opposition. Uh, yeah. Paul had it. Jesus had it. All the disciples had it. I think maybe John may have been the only disciple not uh, to, or to, to die a natural death. Uh, that was, was in, you know, uh, <laughs> prison, essentially. Yeah, they, I mean, there, there's a great... Uh, great opportunities. If you want to serve the Lord, he'll give you great opportunities, but just don't be surprised when there's also great opposition and, and trouble that comes. Secondly, draw, draw, if you're going to get serious with God, stay as close to him as possible. Um, the greater your profile, if you get promoted, sadly, as, as some people are, get, are rise up on the corporate ladder as they, as their church grows, as their influence grows, they, they, they believe that they have less time to be with God. I would say it's just the opposite. The greater your profile, the more you need to spend time with God. Yeah. The more of a target you become to Satan and to others as well, the more that people want to take you down. And so uh, if God is blessing you and giving you greater uh, opportunities in ministry and leadership roles, then, then spend that much more time with him, staying close to him. A third thing is just develop a prayer team. Get some people around you that are praying for you because especially, I, I had a one CEO friend of mine was strongly urged to run for the U.S. Senate for her, for her state. And she asked me to pray for her about that. And I, I thought she'd make a great senator. But I just really grieved. I, she was in a vulnerable place with her family. It was really needed by her, her kids at that time. And um, I, just, I could just envision the, the vicious attacks and the lies and the slander that comes with the political world. And uh, I just, I, 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 wasn't, I didn't want her to have to go through that. But I did say, listen, if you're going to run, you better have a big prayer team. Uh, and so whether you're running for Senate or you're just, uh, you're, you're moving up the corporate ladder, you've just been made the CEO, have people praying for you because yeah. Satan just delights in having prominent Christians fall. And uh, don't think that you're, it would never happen to you. I don't think I've ever known a, a, a prominent Christian that fell into scandal and, and, uh, and, and to sin that ever thought it would happen to him or to her. Uh, and the fourth thing, just draw closer to your spouse. Uh, the more that you're leading in a prominent way, that again, it's not a time to neglect your spouse. It's a time to get very close to your spouse. And I've shared before, but but oftentimes my wife will be sensitive to things that I, I'm not noticing. She'll be aware of dangers that I don't even pick up on, uh, especially a lot of times with other women. Uh, your wife, if you're a man, your husband, if you're a woman, uh, they, they know how men think or how women think. Uh, and so, uh, stay close to them and heed their warnings. Uh, I would just say if they, if they sense there's something wrong or if they just see in your life that it's, things are getting to you, you're getting short tempered, you're getting irritable. Yeah. Uh, spouses have a wonderful way of just say, just calling a timeout and saying, Hey, listen, it's, I know you think you can handle this, but it's, it's wearing you down and I'm concerned about this. Uh, and, uh, and then finally, uh, you're, you're ultimately going to have to 
decide where you're going to focus. You could focus on the possibilities or you could focus on the problems. And you can't ignore opponents. I mean, you, you've got to be aware of them and aware of their attacks. Sure. But, th but that should not be driving your life. shouldn't be driving your... Don't let your, your critics, your enemies, set the agenda for your leadership. You're going to have to deal with them in some way or another, but let the possibilities drive your leadership, uh, no matter what it is you're leading. Look for those doors of opportunity like Paul did. Paul never... Uh, missed an opportunity. He had to keep his head up sometimes so that it didn't get chopped off by uh, an enemy coming from behind. But uh, that never stopped. He, his focus, his drive was always the possibilities. And every time you read a letter from him, he's always talking about, well, I'm planning to go to Spain or when I get to Rome or I'm going to be doing this. I'm going to head to Jerusalem right now. He always was focused on the open doors and where he was headed next. He'll, he'll mention the opposition, Often, sometimes, like in this verse, he'll do it in the very same verse. But you know what's driving him. It's not the problems. It's the possibilities. And mm. so don't be surprised by them, but don't be hijacked by them either. Well, you know, as we try to elevate your leadership, um, this is always just a, a great reminder to to know that as you uh, stand for Christ and, and for those values that matter, that uh, that there will be difficulty ahead. And uh, thanks for taking us through this, Richard. And I want to remind those listening that uh, a week from now, uh, we're going to have a uh, live Tuesday morning devotional. We haven't had one in a while. Yeah. We were doing that for quite a bit during uh, lockdown in, in the beginning of the beginning of the year. But uh, we've got one coming up. So it's uh, October 20th, 10 a.m. Eastern Time. It'll be live on Facebook and uh, YouTube. So be looking out see for that. There. And we'll see you there. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If this is something you enjoyed, it really makes a difference if you leave a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We always love hearing from our listeners. So email us at podcast at blackv.org.